WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire in the newsroom. I'm Andrew Green. Prosecutors in Van Buren County have charged a 30-year-old man in the trafficking and rape of a 14-year-old girl after she went missing out of Washington State last month and turned up in South Haven this week. Van Buren County Sheriff Dan Abbott said today his office was contacted Wednesday by the FBI, which had been investigating the case. It identified a suspect that had uh, communicated online with a 14-year-old victim and brought her to South Haven from Washington in early January. A warrant was obtained and a search conducted on property along Blue Star Highway Thursday, leading to the arrest of Keith Freerkson, a registered sex offender. Abbott said the case highlights the need for more protections for minors online. By God's grace, this victim was able to be united with her family alive and able to recover from what she went through over these past three weeks. Not every victim can say that nor walk away from something like this alive. Abbott said the girl met Freerkson on a chat platform. She was found on the property and reunited with her parents who flew to Michigan. The girl's mother today thanked all the police agencies that helped find her missing daughter and also called for accountability for online platforms. How many more children have to be victimized before these social media platforms are held to a higher standard? How many more families have to suffer the way mine has? The lack of accountability not only puts my child at risk for online predation, but leaves all children at the mercy of those who seek them out online. Freerkson is charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct, human trafficking of a minor for commercial sexual activity, using a computer to commit a crime, third-degree criminal sexual conduct, and accosting a child for immoral purposes. He faces up to life in prison. He's also facing charges in Washington. The Michigan Sex Offender Registry has him listed as being a Stevensville resident. He was previously convicted in Florida of possessing child sexually abusive material. Legislation to regulate short-term rental properties in Michigan is expected to be introduced in the state legislature next week. State Representative Joey Andrews addressed the Berrien County Board of Commissioners this week, saying the new plan will create a state registry of short-term rentals to ensure complaints about them can be lodged and tracked. Andrews said the goal is to give local communities as much control over STRs as possible. It creates a bunch of explicit authority for the local governments to enforce their zoning and regulatory ordinances on short-term rentals. So if there's noise ordinances being violated or occupancy being violated, it gives explicit power to the local units of government to enforce those ordinances, revoke licenses if need be. Andrews said local ordinances could more easily be enforced. Plus, the registry will raise money that will go back to local communities through a 6% excise tax on STRs if the local governments choose to opt in. Andrew said the goal is to help municipalities recover the costs associated with having a lot of vacation rentals in town. It also encourages the development of more affordable housing. We're also expanding the CVB's authority to invest not just in promotion, but also to make investments in child care and housing. As we experience around here all the time, the hospitality industry kind of lives and dies on the local residents. And if they can't afford to live in the area that they're working in, we lose our hospitality workforce. The CVB is the Michigan Association of Convention and Visitors Bureaus. Andrew said the package was developed throughout the past year. Its fate in the legislature is uncertain, given that the Democrats will not have control of the state house through at least April. Andrew said Republicans and Democrats are going to have to learn how to work together. The Berrien County Board of Commissioners has honored former Berrien County Parks Director Brian Bailey, who died in December. 
State Representative Joey Andrews presented to commissioners this week a state tribute signed by himself, State Senator Eric Nesbitt, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist. On behalf of the citizens of Michigan, we extend our most profound sympathies to the family and many friends of Brian Robert Bailey upon his passing on December 4th, 2023. He was a loving and devoted husband, father, son, and friend. With dedication and love, we join the community in remembering his life and extend our condolences to everyone impacted by this deep loss. Andrews gave the tribute to Bailey's wife, Amy Scrim. He was so proud to be a part of this county and city and state, and he was a true Michigander through and through. So thank you very much for this recognition. We very much appreciate it. The tribute notes Bailey's major contributions to the county park system, which include the creation of Galeen River County Park and Pawpaw River County Park. On hand for the presentation were former Parks Director Randy Rood and current Parks Director Jill Adams. Board of Commissioners Chair Mac Elliott said it's the contributions of people like them that have made the county park system one that could compete with any around the country. The Michigan Department of Transportation continues floating the idea of a road usage charge to help pay for road repairs around the state. MDOT's launched an online survey to gauge how people might feel about dropping the gas tax in favor of a fee based on miles driven. Spokesperson Michael Frizzell tells us several factors like more fuel-efficient vehicles have led to less money being collected for the roads. Our funding structure has been declining over the years. The needs increase while the revenue has been decreasing. Even despite increases in road funding back in 2015, we still, to maintain our road system, there, there is still a lot of needs out there between the state highways and all our local roads out there. A federal grant's paying for the survey. The Michigan legislature in 2022 required MDOT to study tolling as an additional or alternative funding method. The legislature also later requested that the department examine the road usage charge. Additionally, Governor Gretchen Whitmer's growing Michigan Together Council has recommended lawmakers look at alternative funding sources for Michigan's transportation infrastructure. However, Frizzell notes that no policy changes like this are being debated at the, in the legislature at this time. We have a link to the survey at our website so you can let MDOT know what you think. The Michigan Department of Labor and Economic Opportunities Office of Global Michigan has announced $738,000 in grants for 17 ethnic and community-based groups around the state to help them strengthen infrastructure and build capacity. Among the recipients is LAUP, a group that serves the Latino community in Allegan and Van Buren counties. Laup says it aims to, quote, be the center of influence in our Latino community that builds bridges to opportunities and creates pathways to success for all. The state grants announced today are intended to help grantees focus on growth and sustainability of their group's structure, build on needed programming, and expand their collaboration and outreach. Leo says that serving many different newcomer populations, the ethnic and community-based organizations ensure individuals and families have the resources they need to reach their full potential. Also receiving funding is Empowering Youth Global Connection, which serves Allegan and Ottawa counties. And Puxatawney Phil did not see his shadow this morning. That means, at least according to lore, we'll get an early spring. However, Howell Nature Center CEO Tina Bruce tells us Woody the Woodchuck in Howell saw things differently today. Woody came out of her burrow, and we honestly thought Woody was going to stay out for the full 30 seconds and that spring would be coming early. Unfortunately, right at the end, um, she changed her mind and went back in, so we're looking at more weeks of winter. Bruce says Woody has a 68% accuracy rate. That's compared to Punxsutawney's Phil's paltry 40%. Meanwhile, over at Berrien County's Love Creek Park, resident groundhog Love Creek Larry did not see his shadow. Love Creek tells us they have an informal weather consultation with a groundhog each year. Groundhogs can be found all throughout Berrien County, mostly 
near their holes. The park says they can dig pretty extensive burrows. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News and now continues. Officials say the U.S. military is launching an air assault on dozens of sites in Iraq and Syria in retaliation for the drone strike that killed three U.S. troops in Jordan last weekend. The initial strikes by manned and unmanned aircraft were hitting command and control headquarters, ammunition storage, and other facilities. The U.S. had bolstered defenses in place to protect troops at the base in Jordan. President Biden and other top U.S. leaders have warned for days the U.S. would strike back at the militias in a tiered response. Meanwhile, it was a somber day for President Biden and the First Lady meeting with the families of the three service members killed in that drone attack in Jordan ahead of the dignified transfer of remains. ABC's Karen Travers has more. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden stood on a windy tarmac at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware as the flag-draped transfer cases carrying the remains of the three U.S. service members killed in Jordan were removed one at a time from the C-5 military transport aircraft. It was a solemn event, no remarks or engagement. The president and First Lady had their hands over their hearts as each case was carried past them to a waiting van. Earlier Friday, the Biden spent about an hour meeting privately with the families of the service members. Karen Travers. ABC News, Washington. Hamas says the group is studying a proposed ceasefire deal that would include prolonged pauses in fighting in Gaza and swaps of Israeli hostages for Palestinian prisoners. But the militants appeared to rule out some key components. A senior Hamas official in Beirut said the group remains committed to its initial demands for a permanent ceasefire. The official also said the group seeks the release of thousands of Palestinian security prisoners, including those serving life sentences. He mentioned two by name, including Marwan Barghouti. He's a popular Palestinian uprising leader seen as a unifying figure. The comments on the prisoners were the most detailed demands yet raised by the group in public. One year after the Norfolk Southern train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, several current and former residents are reflecting on how their lives were changed. More from ABC's Dave Packer. A year later, and residents of East Palestine, Ohio, current and former, are remembering the fear and uncertainty after the toxic Norfolk Southern train derailment. Edward Byard lived about a half a mile from the derailment site. This was our home. We had planned to probably be here our whole lives. But that changed with the derailment. There was uh, too much controversy. Uh, You know, things are going to be okay. Things will never be right. You know, what do you believe? Byard and his wife deciding to move to nearby Salem. Dave Packer, ABC News. Senate negotiators have reached a deal on a proposed proposal to overhaul the asylum system at the U.S. border with Mexico. It clears the way for Democratic and Republican Senate leaders to begin the task of convincing Congress to pass a national security package that would include tens of billions of dollars for Ukraine and immigration enforcement, as well as funding for Israel and other American allies. Senator Chris Murphy, the lead Democratic negotiator, posted on social media today a deal has been reached and the text of the bill would be released over the weekend. The Georgia prosecutor bringing racketeering charges against Donald Trump and his co-defendants denies that she's done anything wrong as she acknowledges that she had a personal relationship with a member of her team. More from ABC's Stephen Portnoy. In court papers, attorney Nathan Wade acknowledges he has had a personal relationship with D.A. Fonnie Willis, but Willis insists the relationship with a member of her team does not amount to a conflict of interest. One of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the racketeering case has asked a judge to disqualify Willis because he alleged Wade has used money Willis's office has paid him to fund their vacations. In a sworn affidavit, Wade says the couple's travel expenses have been roughly divided equally. A judge holds a hearing on the matter later this month. The nation's employers have delivered a stunning burst of hiring to start off 2024, adding 353,000 jobs in January. 
It's the latest sound in the economy's continuing ability to shrug off the highest interest rates in two decades. Last month's job gain, roughly twice what economists had predicted, topped the December gain of 333,000, a figure that was itself revised sharply higher. The unemployment rate stayed at 3.7 percent, just above a half-century low. Wages rose unexpectedly fast in January as well. The latest gains showcased employers' willingness to keep hiring to meet steady consumer spending. It comes as the intensifying presidential campaigns pivoting in no small part on views of President Joe Biden's economic stewardship. Michigan prosecutors today wrapped up their cross-examination of Jennifer Crumbly in her manslaughter trial. Prosecutors grilled the mother of the Oxford High School shooter Ethan Crumbly on her vigilance as a parent and questions how she spent her time ahead of the shooting that killed four people in November of 2021. More from ABC. In Jennifer Crumbly's second day on the stand, prosecutor Marquise making the case that the mother of Oxford School mass shooter Ethan Crumbly ignored warning signs about her son's mental health. You don't deny that your son wrote in his journal that he asked his parents for help. You don't deny that evidence that was admitted? No, I don't. Prosecutors implying that Jennifer Crumbly's attention was not on her son, revealing she was having an affair and used an app Adult Friend Finder to arrange meetups just days before the shooting. Dave Packer, ABC News. Closing arguments are taking place now. And the EPA officially has listed proposing that nine PFAS chemicals, otherwise known as forever chemicals, be listed as hazardous to human health. More from Jay O'Brien. The term PFAS officially covers thousands of chemicals used in manufacturing. The EPA now asking that nine of them be listed as hazardous. This move comes after a 2021 petition from New Mexico after at least some of these PFAS, likely tied, state officials say, to firefighting foam used at an Air Force base, were first detected in contaminated groundwater. The EPA's proposed new rule is now open for public comment. Jay O'Brien, ABC News, Washington. 